Amen. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor, just for the opportunity to get to break bread with our church family. Uh, those who are watching online, we welcome you. And what a, what a powerful morning, huh? Just worshiping God, the powerful just word from Pastor of God, the Holy Spirit confirming. You know, our, our world is getting more chaotic, but God is still confirming things um, through our pastor and just as, as a church body. And so I'm excited to get to talk to you this morning. And um, I'm going to talk on the topic of unlocking uh, genuine forgiveness. Um, that's just what I felt the Lord put on my heart. And as I prayed this week, just, um, Lord, is this, is this still the message and, and this is it? And so we're going to look into the word of God and I want to share a few um, just stories of forgiveness, true stories of believers who went through things in their life and learned how to forgive through that. And then we're going to look into the word, we're going to look at three keys to unlock forgiveness, genuine forgiveness in our own life, and then we're going to pray. Amen? In October 2006, after a long shift at the fire department, 20-year-old Matt Swatzel fell asleep while driving and crashed into another vehicle. He awoke to the most god-awful sound he had ever heard, realizing he had crashed into June Fitzgerald, who was pregnant and with her 19-month-old daughter, Faith. Faith survived the crash, but June and her unborn child did not. According to today, Fitzgerald's husband, a full-time pastor, asked for the man's diminished sentence, saying he meets with Swatzel regularly and their friendship continues years later. During the R Rwandan genocide in the mid-90s, an entire family of a woman named Amasuli was murdered in a massacre. Amasuli chose to forgive the people behind the death of her family and went on to write a bestseller's book entitled Left to Tell. She founded the Left to Tell charitable fund in order to help children who have been orphaned due to genocide. Rwanda's history was marred by tragic cultural genocide, yet decades later, healing and reconciliation have begun through the country, through forgiveness. Anita Smith and her husband, Ronnie, moved to Libya because we saw the suffering of the Libyan people, but we also saw your hope, and we wanted to partner with you to build a better future, Anita said in a letter published on vergenetworks.org. Ronnie was a chemistry teacher in a Benghazi school. On December 5, 2013, Ronnie was shot and killed by an unknown gunman during his morning run. Anita addressed her husband's attacker in her letters saying, I love you and forgive you. How could I not? For Jesus taught us to love our enemies, not to kill or seek revenge. One fateful day, Christy Jones received an email from a woman she had never met. You don't know me. But I, but I am no longer dating your husband. I'm sorry for any pain I caused your family, the email read. I felt paralyzed, Christy told realsimple.com. She called her husband at work and he eventually admitted it was true. He had carried on a four-month affair with a woman he had met at work. Forgiving him was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, said Christy. Two later went on to renew their wedding vows and Christy said that today our marriage is stronger for it and I have no regrets. And lastly, when Didier was 11 years old, he witnessed his mother, a street vendor in Colombia, shot 38 times. This drama led him down a path of alcohol, drugs, and crime as he struggled with what, had, what he had witnessed. Didier found out who his mother's killer was and intended to retaliate. But after a friend brought him to church, he changed his mind and instead forgave his mother's murderer. And one day, when he saw the man sitting on a street corner, he approached him. Didier embraced the man and told him he had forgiven him. 
Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you would help us as a church and as individual believers to unlock genuine, real forgiveness in our lives. Father, there are people sitting here, sitting at home, who are sitting in bitterness and anger and resentment from things that have been said to them, from things that have been done to them. But you call us in our word to forgive. Lord, and it's not just about the offender. Forgiveness releases something in the person who is forgiving. And ultimately, it shows a reflection of you, our Heavenly Father, who has forgiven us from all of our offenses to you and all of our future offenses as long as we come to you. We need forgiveness in the church nowadays more than ever. Help us to unlock it as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how do we unlock genuine forgiveness? Genuine means this, truly what something is said to be. We can forgive people by action, but we can neglect the true meaning of forgiveness in our heart and still carry the weight and the burden that can come from what people have done and said to us. And forgive literally means this, to excuse a fault, absolve from payment, pardon, send away, cancel, and bestow favor unconditionally. That's what forgiveness means. When we forgive someone for what they have done to us, we forfeit that right to stay angry, to stay resentful, and to stay frustrated. And there's power in genuine forgiveness if we can get it from his word this morning. Amen? Can you open with me? We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 7, and we're just going to read a few verses, and then we're going to look at three things from this passage of how as we as believers can unlock genuine forgiveness in our life. Amen? Give you guys a second to get there. Acts, chapter 7, and we're going to be verses 54, and I'm going to read down to verse 60. Now, in this context, we have this man named Stephen. Stephen is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. He doesn't get his own book. He doesn't get a lot of mentions, but I believe God used him to start the, the start of the church, and God used him in such a mighty way. And so, Stephen, how many of you know truth is lost in our culture nowadays? If you speak truth, even on your social media platform, it's amazing the backlash that you get. But Stephen was not afraid to speak truth, and that's exactly what he did. He preached a message to where he was, and this was the reaction to that message. In verse 54, now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Verse 58, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The first key into locking Unlocking genuine forgiveness in our life as a believer is simply this. You have to be filled with the Spirit. You have to be filled with the Spirit in order to forgive someone and then walk in the freedom that comes with that forgiveness. In verse 54 to 55a, it says, When they heard these things, they were enraged. Stephen spoke truth, and the reaction, the reaction of truth is, is very simple. You either submit to it or you get angry. 
And so these people chose the reaction of anger. And when they heard the things that he said, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 through 27 says this. You know, we, a lot of people are scared of the Holy Spirit nowadays. We don't pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit anymore because we see things in, in other churches or we hear stories. But if we're f- afraid of being filled with the Spirit and we've stopped praying that, the number one reason is, is because we don't realize what the Holy Spirit does. It doesn't matter what you've experienced in your past, what you've heard other people do or say with being filled with the Spirit. If you truly want to walk in what God has called you to walk in, you have to be filled with the Spirit, which should force us as a church and individuals to pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says this simply, I want to speak truth from the Word against anything you've experienced or witnessed with the filling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in in John 14, 26 through 27, but the helper, that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's a helper. How many can raise your hand and even at home and say, I need help nowadays. I need help to, to make it in our world now. Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. How many of you need to be taught things? And he says, and bring to your remembrance. How many of you need help in remembering things? I'm realizing I need more and more help remembering things. And all I have said to you, and he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That is why we pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because we need help in these times. We need help being taught the word of God and the truth of God. And we need help remembering it. Because you can be taught something, but then years later you come into a situation or circumstance and you might forget that teaching, but the Holy Spirit can bring it to remembrance. Just as Pastor shared this morning, you know, that's a powerful testimony for God to give him a scripture and then the Holy Spirit led him to call someone. That's how we work. Sometimes it's not this moment where the skies are open, but it's just a thought. And he called a friend. God confirmed the scripture through the friend and then reconfirmed it. How many of you believe we need that nowadays? We need that confirmation. Well, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and able to do it. We look at the life of Peter, his life before, pre-filled and post-filled. Pre-filled, he had an opportunity to stand for God, and he said no because he knew if he did, he might get carried away and crucified as well. But look what happens in Acts after post-filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4.8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. And if we jump down to verse 11 through 13, Peter goes on to say, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is, no, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And look at this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men, and they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You don't need to have a Bible school degree. You don't need to, these people recognize that they were uneducated, but they recognize they were with Jesus. And that comes with being filled with the Spirit. You want to recognize a believer who's filled with the Spirit? They're going to look like Jesus. They're going to look like they've been with Jesus. And we in these times need to look like we've been with Jesus more so than ever before. Amen? The world does not understand genuine forgiveness, and neither can the church unless we are filled with his spirit. 1 Peter 3.9 says, Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Look around our world. You speak that in the circumstances that we're going through. Do not repay evil for evil. 
This is exactly what our world is doing. They are seeing things that the media is putting out. They are seeing videos that are going viral. And they want, their desire is to repay evil for evil. We have to expect that with the world. But when the church starts to have that same mentality, we need the Holy Spirit to not repay evil for evil. But here it says we need to bless. And there's something that can be unlocked when we can do that. Before Stephen could forgive those who were about to kill him, he had to be filled with the Spirit. There are things that happen, has, have, have happened in my life that I can't move on from unless I'm filled with the Spirit to be able to forgive. Amen? Key number two is this. So first you need to be filled with the Spirit to be able to unlock genuine forgiveness. And number two is you need to take your eyes off the offender. Take your eyes off the offender. In Acts 55b to 56, look what Stephen did. It says that he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. It's so hard to forgive someone who has done something to you when you are constantly focusing on what they did. We have to get to our, a place in our lives as believers to look up and see Jesus. We may, we may not get to see that vision that Stephen had as he looked up and he literally saw Jesus standing, but we can see Jesus by opening the word of God. We can see Jesus by coming to church and learning to worship through what has been done to us. We can see God when we sign on into our life groups and we are around other people who have gone through other things, but God has brought healing into their life. That's how we open up our eyes. We take our eyes off the offender and we put them on the Lord. In Isaiah 6, he says, I saw, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. His reaction looking at God was this, woe is me for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. He realized the nature of his own life when he took his eyes off his situation and he looked at God. When we look at God, he, he shows us a reflection of our own life, of our own offenses. And we see the grace of God in our own life, which helps us to take that step in unlocking genuine forgiveness to people who have hurt us. Amen? Luke 6, 27 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. You know, we say amen, but when that verse meets real life, I'm not praying for her or him because they abuse me. They did things to me when I was a child. They did things and said things to me in my past. How am I supposed to uh, forgive them and pray for them? I need prayer. I need restoration. Well, Jesus simply says the power to bring healing is to pray for those who abuse you. But again, our culture is very counter to what the word of God says. Shut your abuser out. Speak badly about them. How many of you love Joyce Meyer? You know, I just, something I love about her is just the way she says things. There's like an authority. She said this about forgiveness. Bless and do not curse them, Romans 12, 14. In the Greek, to bless means to speak well of. And to curse means to speak evil of. You can't walk in forgiveness and be a gossip. You must stop repeating the offense. You can't get over it if you continue to talk about it. Proverbs 17.9 says that he who covers an offense seeks love. There's a parable of an unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. And we see that a king called to settle accounts with his servant. So there's one servant who said in the scripture, it says he owed him 10,000 talents. Now, nowadays, if we take that money and, and tie it into what the average person makes an hour, 
um, the scholars have said that it can be anywhere from 4.5 to $7 billion, what this servant owed the king. It was a debt that he couldn't pay, but yet it says he fell on his knees and begged him and said, I can pay it back. But the amazing thing is the king saw his, his desperation and he canceled the debt. Because the, the, the powerful thing of the story is he couldn't pay it back, even though he was saying. They said that if he worked his job, there's no way in, in, in thousands of lifetimes over that he could pay this back. But the king forgave it, and that's the same way. We tell God, okay, if you forgive me, I'll never do it again. God looks at us in, 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 in pity and sees our situation, and he cancels it even though he knows we can't pay it back. We can't have eternal life because of, because of what Jesus did for us. We can. And we have to recognize that in order to forgive. We need to take our eyes off the offender and put them on Christ. Put them on what he has done. Amen? And the scary thing is at the end of that parable, it says that this servant who had his debt canceled went to another servant who owed him money. And it says that he only owed him 100 denarii, which around that time was anywhere from eight to 11,000, which is still not pocket change, but how many of you would rather be 8,000 in debt than $4.5 billion in debt? And this servant who was shown forgiveness and it was owed a lot less money, it says he began to choke that servant and demand the money from him. And then when the king found out about it, look what he said to him. Then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers, or another word is the torturers, until he should pay all his debt. And Jesus says this, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You want forgiveness in your own life? You've got to give it. But you cannot do it unless you take your eyes off the offender and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Here's the thing with forgiveness. When we generally forgive, we forfeit the right to stay angry, resentful, and bitter towards the offender. If you stare at the offense or the offender long enough, it is easy to become callous and forget about our offenses that have been forgiven through Christ. Sometimes I focus so hard on who I have to forgive because of what was done or what was said that I forget what I have done and what I have said and what Christ has forgiven in me. Amen? If we can unlock genuine forgiveness in the body of Christ, especially during this time, I believe we will unlock a new power that we can walk in as the church, and people will start to see a difference. Amen? And lastly, the third and final point is we have to trust God that he has our life in his hands. You want to unlock genuine forgiveness in your life? Trust that God has your life in his hands. And again, very easy to say amen to, very easy to agree to, but when your life is spinning out of control, when things are happening out of control, out of your, your, your control, do you trust God with your life? Or are you trying to take back the wheel from him to control what's happening? Acts 7.59 says this, and as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Trust is a firm belief in the reliability, truth, and ability or strength of something or someone. You know, one of the craziest things about being stoned in the Bible days, I want to read you something um, that just, that was written uh, years ago that explained how biblical stoning went. Listen to this. When the trial is completed, I'm going to stop there. Stephen never had a trial. We want to talk about unjust killing. Never had a trial. That the first phrase explains 
that the people, as soon as they heard what it says, they rushed after him. This is how it's supposed to go. If you're about to get stoned for an offense, when the trial is completed, he, the condemned, is led forth to be stoned. The place of stoning was outside of the court, as it says, bring out him that is cursed in Leviticus 24:14. A man was stationed at the door of the court with a handkerchief in one hand. So as the person who's being stoned, he walks outside of the doorway of the court, and there's a man on a horse who was stationed at a distance within sight of that man with the handkerchief. And listen to this. It says, if one says, I have something further to state in his favor, they would signal, the man would signal with his handkerchief, and the man with the horse would come. So if someone came forth and said, I have something against this, for this case that's going to help the person who's about to die, then listen to this. It says, he is brought back even four or five times, providing, however, there is substance to his assertion. If then they find him innocent, they discharge him. Four or five chances he has on his way to get stoned for people to come up and, and share something to help the case. Not so in Stephen's case. And it goes on to say, but if, he, if not, he goes forth to be stoned and a herald precedes him crying out, so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, is going forth to be stoned because he committed such and such an offense. And so-and-so are these witnesses. Whoever knows anything in his favor, let him come and state it. So the person who's about to be executed by stone and begins to march to a pit. And it says 10 cubits away or 15 feet away, he's told to make a confession. So he's walking to this place of execution. And then four cubits or six feet away, he's stripped of his clothing. And what they do is they dig a pit that's double the size of a man. So I'm 6'4", so almost 13 feet they would dig a pit for me. And what they would do is... The place of stoning was twice a man's height. One of the witnesses pushed him by the hips so that he was overturned on his heart. He was then turned on his back. If that caused his death, he had fulfilled his duty. But if not, the second witness took a stone and threw it on his chest. If he died thereby, he had done his duty. But if not, he the criminal was stoned by all Israel. For it is, as it says, the hand of the witnesses shall first upon him to be him to death and afterwards the hand of all the people. Something interesting about Stephen that I read in the commentary is the fires in the olden days never made martyrs. They revealed them. It says no hurricane of persecution ever creates martyrs. It reveals them. Stephen was a martyr before they stoned him. God answered Stephen's prayer, and this is what's powerful about true forgiveness. If we can be filled with this spirit in any circumstance and we can learn to forgive people, listen to this. And, I, and again, I read this in a commentary. God answered Stephen's prayer and used it to touch the heart of a man who energetically agreed with his stoning, even though the man didn't know the prayer was being answered. When we get to heaven, we should thank Stephen for every blessing brought through the ministry of Saul of Tarsus. Augustine says this, if Stephen had not prayed, the church would not have had Paul. What we can do in our prayers when we can truly forgive someone from our heart, what God can unlock in our heart is unbelievable. Can you stand with me as we just pray? In that moment, a person dead in the streets without a trial, a killing of injustice and as the stones are being thrown upon him he calls out Lord Jesus receive my spirit but more importantly as he's being stoned 
he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. There is no one that is not filled with the Holy Spirit that could utter those words under those circumstances. Our flesh is too powerful. We need the Holy Spirit to learn how to forgive in the smallest offenses and to learn how to forgive in the greatest offenses. I'm going to pray, and then you can come forward if you want prayer. I think some of you might need to come forward and and forgive some people in your life. I understand that forgiveness and things that have happened to you in your past, I understand that it's not going to be changed in a moment. You know, I, I have had things done and said to me in my own life, and I've done and said things that I regret in my own life. And I've, had, I've needed the help of pastors, I've needed the help of counseling, and I've needed the word of God to be able to understand true forgiveness, to be able to actually utter the words and mean it. You may come forward and, and say, you know what, I forgive this person, but you still need to be walked with through that healing process. Every situation is different. Every offense is different. There are different degrees of pain and, and what people do to us. You know, I've shared my testimony. My biological mom, she was abusive. She abused all four of my brothers, including myself. You know, I just found out just a couple of weeks ago that she had um, over six abortions, um, six sets of twins. Set of twins was born, didn't make it. Another single person was born, didn't make it. My brother and I somehow made it, thank God. But because of the drugs, the alcohol in her own life, she just kept having children and kept ending their lives. And the ones that were alive, she abused thoroughly. And when the Lord was working in my life, when I went away to Bible school, I came back. And that's when God began to fill me with his spirit. And I went to a Bible study. And I saw someone who knew my mom in high school and began saying how much she was abused because she was African American. And because she was seven feet, two inches tall. The names that people called her. And the Lord opened my eyes to see she abused because she didn't have an encounter with the Lord. Hurt people hurt people. The abused becomes the abuser unless Christ intervenes. And Christ intervened in my life, but it was years of counseling. It was years of walking with pastors. It was years of studying the word. But then I was able to go home and weep for her. And the anger and the bitterness was removed because of that. And we need that in our own lives because God wants to empower us. Amen? These altars are open. If you need to come forward and you need prayer, find a spot. Make sure you're socially distanced. And, and, and I, Pastor Richard, Pastor Lisa, will extend our hands and we'll just pray over you. Pastor Maureen, we'll extend our hands and pray over you and just ask that the Holy Spirit would begin to help you unlock genuine forgiveness in your life this morning. Amen. I'm going to pray and then just feel free to come forward. Those who are, need to go, please exit quietly out the side. If you need to sign up for a life group, you can go back and do that as well. But let's make this front area just a place, even if it's for a minute, to come forward and say, Holy Spirit, reveal who I need to forgive. Sometimes we don't realize. The enemy can put a cloak over that. But Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, we thank you for just the power that comes when we understand truth, when truth can come into our spirit. God, I pray for this church. I pray for those who are at home who are watching this. God, there is someone that is standing right now in their mind of who they need to forgive. And Lord, in their flesh, they're saying, I can't do it. They did this to me. They hurt me. But Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and fill them. Fill them this morning. That they would take their eyes off of the offender, off of what they did, off of those details. And then they would look to you this morning, God. And I pray that this morning you would unlock genuine forgiveness in people in your body. And Lord, that they would walk in a fresh empowerment of your spirit because of what they did. Thank you for those testimonies of real people 
who actually forgave people and you used them to do mighty things. We need genuine forgiveness to have revival in our churches. We come against the spirit of bitterness, the spirit of anger. Let it be unlocked in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Again, if you need prayer, please don't hesitate just to come forward for a few minutes and just begin to seek God. We love you. God bless.